Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use marketing tools, including social media, to promote themselves and their businesses. And we're going to have so much fun today, and I can tell that simply by going to my guest's website because oh, she has rainbow hair, um, you know, and, and all these great things. But please join me in welcoming to the program Sherry Fink. So welcome, Sherry. Hi, I'm excited to be here today. This is going to be so much fun, and, and we'll explain the rainbow hair in, in just a moment. But for folks who don't know you, let me go ahead and read your bio. So Sherry Fink is an inspirational speaker, a number one best-selling author, an award-winning entrepreneur, and the creator of The Whimsical World of Sherry Fink Brand. Sherry writes books that inspire and delight kids of all ages while planting seeds of self-esteem. All five of her children's books have become number one bestsellers, including The Little Rose, which was an Amazon number one bestseller for over 60 weeks. CBS Los Angeles selected her as one of the top three authors in the local area, a distinction she shares with Dean Koontz. Sherry's brand is the recipient of the prestigious Mom's Choice Award for the Best in Family Friendly Entertainment. She was recently named an inspirational beauty by supermodel Cindy Crawford's Beauties Give Back campaign. Sherry's newest adventure is contemporary romance. She was inspired to write Cake in Bed, her debut novel, to empower women to be their authentic selves and to not settle for less than they deserve in life or in love because everyone deserves to have their cake and eat it too, preferably in bed. Discover more about Sherry and her books at Sherry Fink. Dot com and that's Sherry with one R and an I. So again, Sherry, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mentioned your your hair, and it's funny because you know I, I went to your website, which again is SherryFink.com, and immediately saw the whimsical world. You know, and 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 it's so cool to see that you have taken, <clears throat> excuse me, your brand. And really turned it to something fun. So tell me why you decided to be so whimsical. <laughs> it's such a funny question because I don't think I actually decided that. It came that way. <laughs> you, know? you just became whimsical. No, I, or you've I, always been whimsical. I've always been that way. Um, but the thing is, I think the maybe the the decision was to embrace it rather than try to conform and be like everybody else or what everyone else expects of you. Like, um, Cause I know growing up in rural Virginia, like I was very different from most other people and mm -hmm. working in the corporate world also very different. Um, but you know, tried to be what everybody else needed me to be in order to be successful right. in those environments. Right. And then when I started on this journey of, um, publishing children's books, I just started getting in touch with that eight year old inside of myself that loves pink and sparkly things and wants to read about unicorns and, you know, do all these, be a mermaid, like all these things, all these dreams that I had as a kid, like, and I thought, why not do that now? Like, why right. hold back? Like, I've been holding back my whole life. Like, I don't want to do mm -hmm. it anymore. So I, um, yeah, I just started I getting in touch more with that and then letting my whimsy loose. <laughs> right. You know, and, and I think what you say is, is so true. Because we do think that when we're in corporate America or, and I'm saying that you know, with my air quotes, or in business for ourselves or, you know, even just grown up, we can't wear a mermaid. We can't wear the, the fun colored hair and all of those various things. And I love the fact that you have done it in a way that helps build self-esteem. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's really important for kids and adults to embrace those parts of ourselves that maybe we don't show everyone, but the parts that are fun and in love with life, mm -hmm. you know, like you just, you just get so much more out of everything, an educational experience, uh, an adventure, um, time with your loved ones. It's so much more powerful when you're in that state of joy and creativity. Right. right. And when we're not worried about what everybody else thinks about us. Exactly. That's the key. 
And, and it's so funny. I attended a networking meeting this morning and we were talking about our goals for the coming year. And one of the, the people there, a gentleman who is a publisher, you know, very distinguished man, was talking about the fact that he's going to wear different socks. Now, not, you know, wild and crazy and out there socks, but maybe some polka dots, maybe some stripes. You know, now I was, of course, telling him, well, you have to wear two different type of socks, you know, because <laughs> I've been doing that recently, much to my husband's mortification. But, you know, it's and and so it's kind of one of those things that he decided too, to to bring a little bit of that whimsy back into his everyday life. Love it. <laughs> you know, and, and it really is something that's so important. And it's it really resonates a lot with me. You know, I joke about my socks, but I've kind of had some health issues. And my longtime listeners have known that, you know, the, in a lot of ways, the last year has been a challenge. And I got into wearing two different types of socks. Now, part of that was just because sometimes that was all I could find in the hospital, you know, and you, your feet got cold. So you put the socks on. But then the nurses are coming in. Ooh, I like your socks, <laughs> you know, and, and all these things. And then I went to uh, one of the big superstars, superstars, superstores to buy new socks and discovered that the the package, the two packages of socks that I took home were actually individuals. They're, they weren't pairs. And so you were supposed to mix and match them, you know, and, and so these, this is, is, you know, they were encouraging this whimsy, which is where my husband discovered when we went to the airport and I had to take my shoes off and I had, you know, a hot pink and a gray sock on. But, you know, why is having this kind of sense of whimsy, why is it so important for our self-esteem? I think it's it's like anything else. When you're playing, you're not worried about what everybody else thinks, mm-hmm. right? So if you can bring a, a level of playfulness to your everyday life or even to like your performances, if you're an actor or a, a writer or you know a speaker, um, it takes people out of the coulda, shoulda, woulda listing right. state of mind and puts them into the possibility state of mind. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you have more fun because you're in your joyful state and then everybody, it right. gives everyone else permission to mm-hmm. let go and be in their fun state too. Right. And then you know, things are more memorable when they touch you on an emotional level. Right. And, and you really are making that connection. And, you know, it could be that they can't envision themselves in the, the rainbow wig or, you know, the, the mermaid, but maybe it is that they do different colored socks. Yeah. Or whatever makes them happy. You know, it could be something just internal of them. I think something, right. an affirmation they say to themselves before they walk in a room. Like it doesn't even have to be mm-hmm. something showy. It can mm-hmm. be something within that they just keep it as their little secret. Like right. I'm rocking this because of this, like, you know, mm-hmm. and it makes you feel, um, makes you feel good. And the people right. who don't understand it, then that's okay too. You mm-hmm. know, like some people, the, they're, um, most people, they're like, I wish I was brave like you. I wish I could have blue hair. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you can. <laughs> right. You just have to do it. Yeah, it's not hard. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, and, and obviously there are times where you have to be serious, um, you know, and, and it, it's and, and, you know, and, and dress appropriately and, and some things like that. But like you said, maybe then that's where it, you know, something is hidden or maybe it's just something that's more subtle, you know, maybe it's a, a very cute pen or, um, you know, a scarf or, you know, a different handkerchief for a man or something like that. So you can still kind of have that with you at all times, but still kind of be conforming to, to what you need to at that point in time. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be something physical. I mean, it could be something right. that you're fun that you're doing for other people, you know, mm-hmm. like you could just make it a point to every single day, like surprise and delight someone. And right. then you walk around with the knowledge that you did that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it just it's just really satisfying to be who you are and to not right. um, not limit yourself based on other people's perceptions of what you should be. Right. You know, and, e- and even the, the more, um, quote unquote, structured environments. I mean, I've done speeches for all kinds of groups, um, everything from like elementary schools to writers conferences to uh, American Association of University Women to business women's conferences, like all kinds of different people. And it's funny, like it, I actually had one of the biggest ones request that I come colorful. Ah. And I was like, really? Like this gonna, everybody's going to be in a suit? And they're like, yeah, it'd be perfect. 
So mm-hmm. I did and everybody loved it, but I felt uncomfortable at first because I thought I should be professional. And then I'm like, what am I saying? Right. You know, <laughs> right? you are a professional. Yeah. And then I showed up to um, one of the keynotes I did for the American Association of University Women. And I was, you know, my brunette self. And they were mm-hmm. like, no colorful hair. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these, these are like really respectable women who mostly are right. retired in their fifties and sixties and, and they were disappointed. So you mm-hmm. just never know. And you can't, you can't make those decisions based on what other people will think. You have to go with what feels right for you in that moment. Right. You know, and, and there are times where you do feel a little more laid back and, you know, maybe not so much needing the blue hair that day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm not performing, then, <laughs> you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you speak of performing. You are actually located in Los Angeles. So how much of this kind of performance, you know, for lack of a better word, comes from the fact that you're out there in the entertainment capital of the world? Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly. I, I, I mean, you're from Virginia, so yeah. it's not like you grew up out there. No, I, I mean, I was in Virginia um, through college and grad school, and then I moved mm-hmm. to California afterward, and okay. I was in Orange County for a long time. So it's it's not till the last four or five years I've been, been in L.A., mm-hmm. but I think, I mean, obviously your environment influences you, and I think um, just, I like experiences that move me. Mm-hmm. And the people that move me the most are the people who are authentic and real, who tell heartfelt stories, um, you know, and connect that with my life. Right. So that's what my aim is. When I get on stage, I just try to, I basically say to myself, let whatever's meant to come through me, come through me without my interference mm-hmm. and get out of my own head about it. Like stop thinking about, you know, walk three steps this way and then make eye contact here, here, here. Like when you do that, you get so stressed out because you're not Mm -hmm. present. So I would rather just go with what feels right on stage and like let the the information flow through me. And Mm -hmm. then people, people are affected on a deep level. People cry. It's amazing. Yeah. But that didn't happen back in the day when I first started and I was trying to be a good speaker and you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> do, do this kind of gestures and, you know. <laughs> oh, yes. And, you know, and, and like you said, walk three steps and wave, right, right. you know, all those various things. You know, the things that you're taught to be when you're, you know, a professional speaker or even if you're just presenting to, you know, your sales team or, you know, a nonprofit or whatever, you do get caught up in the, the how as opposed to the why. It's easy. It's easy to get caught up in that because that's um, less risky, mm-hmm. right? If I do right. this like a robot, then it will have this result. But that's not exactly how it works. Like I find that it doesn't really matter the delivery. I mean, to some degree it matters a bit, but mm-hmm. but it's the message. It's it, whether right. you're connected with your heart and with the audience. And if you And if mm-hmm. you're in that flow state, absolute magic happens when you're on stage. Right. Right. And people can and, feel it and they come yeah, up and, afterward and, they do. and it's a totally yeah, they, different experience. Yep. Yeah. They, they just, you know, it's, it's not that you're authentic because of course there, there is that, but it's, it's maybe that your passion is flowing through you. And I think that's where so many people have problems is, you know, we, we mentioned it, they start thinking, oh my gosh, I have to do this. I have to do that. So how did you kind of make this decision to, to shift and to get out of the walk three steps and gesture now stage and into, I'm just going to be me. Um, I think like anything else that comes through experience and accident, like mm-hmm. <laughs> accidental discovery. Right? Yes. So like in the past, Oops, that worked. <laughs> yeah. So in the past I would over prepare for things because I was okay. trying to do well and I really, really cared about the impact that it would have. And I wanted it to make it powerful and positive and all these things. So I would over-prepare for everything to the point where I was so drained by the time I actually got on stage. And then Mm -hmm. I was in my head worrying about how I looked. Did I sound good? You know, can people hear me? Like I was worried about all these logistic things Mm -hmm. and I wasn't connected with my own message. And then I would watch other speakers and I would see the ones that really touched my heart versus the ones that were just going through the motions. Right. And I thought, Oh, big aha. Like, this one's not working with a script. Like he's just speaking from the heart. And I've heard him tell this story five times already. And it doesn't matter because he's telling it with such passion and aliveness that Mm -hmm. I cannot look away. 
And so that was a big aha for me. And of course, it's scary at first to throw away the script. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like throwing right. away the, the map that someone drew you for your life, right? You're like, whoa, mm -hmm. what do I do without the map? But that map doesn't serve you. The map has no idea what you're meant to be, you know? Right. And that's kind of how it is with a speaker too. Like, so it's, it's having the courage to be fully present and to mm -hmm. throw away the script, so to speak. And, mm -hmm. um, and then for me, I, I just... When I would go to um, speaking engagements and I wouldn't, I mean, I still prepare, so don't, right. don't oh, misunderstand yes. me there, mm -hmm. but, but when I wouldn't be so caught up on whether I used that word or that word, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I know my basic points and then I didn't know exactly what story I would tell. I, I trusted myself that when I was on stage, the right story would come. Right. And sometimes I surprised myself, you know, mm -hmm. and when I did that, people were lined up afterward to talk to me. It was completely different. Like people wow. were hugging me. Like it was it, like one time, like 90% of the room was crying. It was wow. incredible, the difference. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, okay, this is, this is like the difference between being a beginner and being a little bit further along where you can trust mm -hmm. yourself. And I think that comes with, like I said, experience. It comes with right. accidental discovery. It comes with trust over mm -hmm. time and, um, and developing your confidence. And it doesn't mean that you always feel like a rock star. Like I still get nervous, you know, mm -hmm. before I go on stage, I, I Barbara Streisand still gets oh my gosh. nervous. Bruce Springsteen is almost mm -hmm. to the point of throwing up before every performance. And he's amazing. Like, right. you know? and it's done yeah, it and, thousands and, of times. Yeah. So I think it's, it's good to feel, um, to care about it, but to, mm -hmm to care more about the people's experience than about how you look in that moment. Right. And as long as you can and, do and that, I, it shifts. Right. And, and I think that's where the, the good nerves come in. Yes. Is because, you know, yeah, the adrenaline gets going and, and hopefully you are thinking, how can I make this the best possible experience that I can for my audience. And, and of course you're going to get nervous about that. Yeah. You know, and, and we can, I think the worst thing is not when we can tell somebody has done the presentation 20, 30, a hundred times. It's when we can tell they don't care. Yes. You know, and, and, and boy, you pick up on it in about the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Cause they're just, they're literally just going through the scripts. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And heaven forbid you sidetrack them. Oh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it just, it, and, I mean, that, it does a disservice to everybody. It certainly does a disservice to them because you're not in tune with them and paying attention because, you know, you went, oh, well, he, he or she really doesn't care to be here. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And it's powerful. Your presence is the most powerful thing you can give someone. I really mm -hmm. believe that. And you can feel it from the stage when a speaker is present with the mm -hmm. audience engaging, you know, they're feeling the energy of the, of the room and mm -hmm. then can make decisions in which direction to go based on that energy. It's not like, right. Oh, nope, this is the map. I'm, I'm stuck on the map no matter what, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I think, um, the audience knows that and they trust you mm -hmm. when they know that you'll gel with them, you know? Right. And it's not anything that you do. It's the way you're being. Mm -hmm. Right. You, you hold yourself differently. You, you know, it's, it's, it's all those things. It's your posture. It's, it's actually making eye contact with people as opposed to look at this person for five seconds. Yes. This for five seconds. I mean, or heaven forbid what we've all been told, imagine them in their underwear. <laughs> I don't think that's helpful at all. <laughs> no, I don't know who came up with that, but that's, you know, for one thing, I'd get up there and just burst out laughing. I mean, you know, that, you know, and, and either that or run away afraid. I mean, you know, and, and, but but yeah, you can tell when someone is very relaxed, uh, you know, and, and, and so at ease that, you know, you feel like you're talking with them one-on-one. -on -one. And I think that's what every great speaker should really strive to do is, is to make their audience feel like, you know what, I'm just talking just to you. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing is you have to go personal. That's mm -hmm. something that I didn't understand early in my career, but mm -hmm. If you watch the best speakers, they will tell personal stories from their life. And, right. and it's not because it's all about them. It's just that people can relate when they mm -hmm. know that you're not perfect. Right. You're not a perfect person standing on a pedestal telling everybody else how to be perfect. It's more like, no, mm -hmm. I've fallen down too. I've mm -hmm. made mistakes too. And here's what I, what I did to overcome it. Here's the decision I made that shifted. Right. And that's powerful. Mm -hmm. And so the more... Um, the more open you are with your own experiences, the more people can relate to you. 
mm-hmm. that's in your books, in your talks, um, in your social media posts, like all of it. Mm-hmm. It comes through. Well, and I can just imagine how important that is when you speak to kids, you know, whether it's elementary, you know, junior high, high school, because, you know, let's be honest, you're this absolutely gorgeous woman. And so, you know, when, when they either, you know, you come out with the funny hair or whatever, but, but when they see you, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, wow, <laughs> she's, she's perfect. Aww, and I mean, you, and, so you know, sweet. Because you, <laughs> but then they're thinking, but you know, but then you tell a story and they're like, Oh, she's like me. So more importantly, ooh, I can be like her. Oh yes. You know, and, and that comes back to the self-esteem, especially for little girls. I mean, you know, it's it, this is a very rough day and age to be a child. You know, with social media, with the constant media bombardment, with all of the things that are happening for kids, I think their self-esteem has really taken some very dramatic and drastic hits. Yeah, I think um I think it's more important than ever that we instill that self-belief in kids. Mm-hmm. And and remind adults too. We all need to be reminded that we're very right. special the way we are, and we don't need mm-hmm. to be just like everybody else. And mm-hmm. and I think um, that's part of the power of my brand and and my message is that I see the beauty in each individual, and mm-hmm. I want to shine the light on that. You know, right? I want them to see it too. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about your kids' books because I don't have kids, and so I haven't experienced your books, but. You know, they, they look like they're so much fun. And, and so tell us, <clears throat> excuse me, how you got started even writing children's books. Well, <laughs> like the best things in life, it was serendipitous. <laughs> it's one of those oops moments. Yes, it came unexpectedly, but um, but was exactly what needed to happen. Um, so as a kid, if I go back to growing up in rural Virginia, I grew up very modestly and my family worked very, very hard. And they always, you know, we had food on the table, but we didn't have money for things that kids really want, like new clothes and toys and trips and, you know, all of those things that feel very, very important then. Right. And so my way of dealing with that was I would escape into my own little worlds. Mm -hmm. I was always creating stories and I was drawing my own art and I created board games. I had all these little businesses. I had a bracelet braiding business and like I once choreographed a musical with the kids in my neighborhood in my backyard and then I charged their parents admission to see it. You know, like (laughs) I was always doing these entrepreneurial artistic things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't really encouraged in my household because no one around me was entrepreneurial. So it was kind of like, wow, what's wrong with this kid? Why can't you just play? Sherry, you know, know, behave yourself. Why are your Barbies always having businesses? Like, can't you, you know, (laughs) but, but that's just the way that I played. It was fun for Mm me. Um, but I kind of lost touch with it because I wanted to go to college. No one in my family had ever gone. And Mm -hmm. my mom planted a seed really early that said, you will be first. And, I knew I had to work really hard to get a scholarship in order to go. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put aside the creative artistic endeavors and mm-hmm. I started focusing on school and I did really well and I did go to college and ultimately got my master's degree and I did a business management program as well. Um, and after college, I thought, well, in, during college too, while I was working, I thought I need to, I need to climb the corporate ladder. Like I, I want the success that I've seen you know, I've seen other people have, like I want it. And I thought the way to get it was to work really hard and climb that ladder. Right. But then 12 years later, I get to the top of the ladder and I have a really great job with a very well-recognized company. I've got the sexy title. I've got the money. I've got the perks, the travel, all of it. And I realized like this ladder is up against the wrong wall. Mm-hmm. I've invested my life into being something that I'm not. Right. And then I had this like total, like soul searching time where, Mm -hmm. you know, you feel kind of ungrateful. Like you got this great thing going and yet it doesn't fill you up. How can you turn your back? Yeah. Like how can you Mm -hmm. walk away from something that's become your identity? And that was something I was struggling with. And during that period, I had a gift of adversity. And, um, it came in the form of a woman in my office who was bullying me and it was really bad. Like Mm -hmm. I did not know how to handle it. And I tried everything. Like I, Mm -hmm. you know, I read the books, I talked to HR, I talked to her, I talked to my boss, I talked, I just did anything anybody would suggest Mm -hmm. I would try it and it did not Mm -hmm. work. 
And so I'm driving to work and that's been going on for a while. And I was really hard on my heart because I'm not like that. I don't understand it. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know what to do, but I knew I couldn't run away because I worked too hard to get where I was. So I'm driving to work one day and I just remember having this total moment of surrender where I was like, help me. I will do anything to make this better. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, this idea came to me and I'm crying, like I'm a mess, right? Like <laughs> absolute right. mess. Mm-hmm. And I didn't let myself get to that state very much back then. I wasn't, um, I wasn't as in touch with the, my spiritual side and I wasn't meditating mm-hmm. or anything like that. So this story came to me and it was shocking because nothing like that had ever happened before. And it was this idea about a rose that grows up in a weed bed and thinks that she's the weed. Uh-huh. Because that's all she's ever known. Right. And that's all she's ever told. And mm-hmm. so right after the idea came, that little seed came, the story wrote through me completely in the car on the way to work. Oh. Yeah. It was incredible. Like I, mm-hmm. it was literally written on the back of an envelope with a mini golf pencil because that's what was oh. in the console. Uh-huh. I wrote it at the stoplights and all the way from there once was a little rose that grew amid a flourishing bed of weeds on the side of the road all the mm-hmm. way through to the end. And I got to work and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm never wow. going to be able to tell anybody about that. Like, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Like, that, yeah. that was crazy. That was weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I put it away, but I made a decision that day. At lunch that day, I decided one year from today, I will either be at a different company, I will be doing something else, or I'll be working for myself. Mm-hmm. And I promised myself. And it was huge, huge decision because it had so much fear around it, you know, um, because my whole identity was wrapped up in what I did for a living. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I put the story away. Fast forward. I waited a whole year because I, I kept mm-hmm. thinking, well, I'll, I'll leave earlier and then the company needs me for this. Oh, right. client needs me for that. Oh, let and me do that. better. And yeah, 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 let me take care of everybody else but mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And then a year later on that day, I'm sitting at my office and I'm like, all right, are you a woman of your word or not? Mm-hmm. Are you going to do it or not? And so I typed up my resignation and I turned it in and they were shocked that they oh, had the president of the company called an emergency meeting with me, tried to talk me out of it, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, people thought I was crazy because I was leaving with nothing. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have anything lined up and, um, not because I hadn't tried. I mean, I had done interviews and things, but nothing right. really resonated mm-hmm. with me. And I mm-hmm. said to myself, I was like, you will find something later. Like you just have mm-hmm. to do this for your, for your soul. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I left and a week later I was at a conference that I had planned to attend a year in advance Mm -hmm. and it was a success conference. And while I was there, I ended up having a random conversation about writing. This lady brought it up and I was like, nah, nah, all I have is business and marketing writing. It's really boring. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. she's like, no, 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 you've got more. And then I remembered that story. Your little Rose story. That I had not Mm -hmm. thought about in a year. Mm-hmm. And so I told her the story and she said, I just got goosebumps. You have to mm-hmm. do something with that because my grandchildren need that message. Right. And that was when the light bulb came on and I thought, well, maybe it's a children's book. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like it was just mm-hmm. it's like scary and delicious at the same time. And I thought, right. wow, like what if I could help kids to believe in themselves so much that what other people said or thought of them didn't affect them the way that it affected me. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I got home from the conference and I was on fire. I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, what does it take to publish a children's book? Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I was just learning as much as I could. And within six months I had it out, I had it out in hardcover. Wow. And then <clears throat> two weeks later it became a number one bestseller on Amazon and mm-hmm. stayed at number one for, like you said in the intro, 60 weeks. Wow. And that changed everything in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think back to that and I think, you know, people, when you're on the edge and you're just so scared of taking action one way or the other, mm-hmm. like, what if I hadn't done it? What if I had chosen mm-hmm. not to share with her that I had that story? What right. if I didn't even write it down? Mm-hmm. You know, like my life is completely different today, like in every mm-hmm. single way because of the courage it took to write it and share Mm -hmm. it and then publish it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and I think that's, you know, it's, it's, it's like you said, it was scary. It was delicious, all those things. And that's where, you know, the, the, the problem comes in is that, you know, we, and, and, you know, I'm saying we as in women, but of course this happens with men also, we do think, oh, we can't do that. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have to be the breadwinner. We have to be responsible. We have to stay with the job that we trained for all of our lives. You know, why should we think we could be any different? And I love that you work with kids all the way through senior citizens to say it's okay to, to kind of take those steps. It might be their baby steps. Maybe they're leaping off that diving board and you're, you know, a hundred feet up in the air, but I, I love this concept that, that you work with people to show them this. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny is that doesn't really matter the age. It's the right. same thing. Like mm-hmm. I mentor authors. That's part of what I do now. Like I really get mm-hmm. a lot of joy out of seeing other people's dreams come oh, true. I bet. Uh-huh. And doesn't matter the age of the author. I've mentored people who are in their 60s. I've mentored people who are 11 and 13. Mm-hmm. And when I was working with one of my 13-year-old clients earlier this year, he was telling me, he's like, you know, I have all these pressures and everybody wants things from me. And I, I'm having a really hard time putting time for this project. And I, but I want it more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I said, congratulations, you're officially an author now. Because I'm going through the same thing, except I'm writing a novel right. <laughs> and I'm a grown up. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Like we all have the same, the same kinds of fears. It's just different mm-hmm. flavors of it. So right. one of the things I love to do is to just help someone see like beyond that fog, what mm-hmm. exists on the other side, mm-hmm. because if they, when they start taking action toward that dream, it doesn't make it easy, but they start mm-hmm. building momentum. Right. And the aliveness that they experience is so amazingly juicy. Like, oh, and I bet wonderful to watch. And everyone notices it. And they're always mm-hmm. like, hey, did you lose weight? Hey, blah, blah, blah. My clients are like, these people, they're always saying all these things to me. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you're alive. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the party. You know, right. the fun is just starting now. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, and, and like we said, it doesn't have to be, <clears throat> excuse me, something gigantic. Maybe it is. You just start wearing different socks, you know, or, or maybe you, you do make a radical, dramatic change in your life, you know, and then everything in between. It's about starting, yeah, you know, and, and, and actually taking those steps. So tell us more about your children's books because you've written five of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, what I love about children's books is they really, it's kind of like Aesop's fables. You know, they were more for adults than, than for kids, you know, but, you know, your books are really for people of any age. So tell us about your, your children's stories. Then we'll talk a little bit more about your adult books. And I'm not saying that as, you know, <laughs> <laughs> adult, just more, you know, written for, for people a little bit older, but tell us about your, your kids' books. Sure. Um, well, the little Rose, um, was the first one and mm-hmm. she is of course about being your authentic self, no mm-hmm. matter what. And so that's really great for, especially for young kids who are going through right. the feeling of feeling different or mm-hmm. maybe even being made fun of, or, um, just feeling a little bit uh, like they don't belong, which I think mm-hmm. all of us go through at some point in our lives. Right. So it gives children a safe way to experience that and to talk about it with their parent okay. through the, the, the storybook. Um, so that was The Little Rose. The second book was The Little Gnome. And he is an adorable little garden gnome who shows up in the garden in the summer, absolutely loves it. And then when things start to change he doesn't know what the seasons are. So he doesn't understand Uh the change. So he gets kind Mm -hmm. of grumpy and then he ultimately learns to look for the good in change Mm -hmm. while learning about the seasons. Um, and I, I wrote that because kids are like, they feel like they control their world, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that happens, they feel like they're to blame, Mm -hmm. but they absolutely have zero control. Right. Right. They, like the parent decides they're going to move or they're going to, they're going to marry someone or they're going to get a little brother or, you know, there's all these things that happen in a child's life that they act, they just have no say in. So mm-hmm. I think it's really powerful to teach them the positive mindset of adaptability. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is about adapting, you know, you can't drag your feet and say, no, I don't want a little brother. I mean, you can, but <laughs> guess what? You're going to get ignored. Right. Um, you know, and, 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 but it's, it's good to show kids that change is okay. Yes. And it can actually be a very powerful, good thing. 
Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's the message of the little gnome. And then the little firefly, she's a late bloomer. So she's the last one to glow out of all of her friends. And she really wants to play this sport called fire tag. So mm-hmm. she fakes glowing in hilarious ways that kids can relate to. Uh-huh. And when she gets found out, she discovers what true friendship is all about. Ah. So that book is really great for younger siblings who want to mm-hmm. be just like their older sibling. Mm-hmm. But yet they can't. They're not old enough mm-hmm. yet. And, um, and it's also good for kids who might be um, struggling with wrong kinds of friends. Mm-hmm. Too, to see what real friendship looks like. Right. Because we need those kinds of models out there mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're supportive. They're not taking advantage. They're not, you know, all those various things. Exactly. And one of the things I love about the little firefly is that it's all in her head. There's no rule that says you have to glow to play this game. She just ah. makes the assumption and then mm-hmm. she, you know, leaps off of that cliff on her own. Like no one's mm-hmm. telling her she needs to be any different ever. And so um, I think that's really powerful for kids, too, because we do, as, as humans, we make mm-hmm. our own assumptions, then we act as if that's the fact, and it's right. not. Right. Well, we mentioned it at the start of the program. You, know, you feel like you have to wear the suits to work. You feel like you, you have to do this. You have to do that. And, you know, no, not so much. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so that, that's the message of the little firefly. And then the little seahorse, he's a bashful little guy. So he has to learn to speak up and ask for help in order to mm-hmm. make friends and bring a gift home for his mom. Ah. And I was so shy as a kid. Like I had a very active inner world, mm-hmm. but not so much on the outer world. Like mm-hmm. it was just, um, it was later when I became more comfortable <laughs> mm-hmm. speaking. And so I thought, well, what, what if I could make a difference in the kids who are shy and I mm-hmm. could encourage them to speak up a little bit more or to make another friend because you get more possibilities when you are more open in the world. Right. So, um, so that's the little seahorse. And then mm-hmm. I have an alphabet adventure book called exploring the garden with a little rose. Mm. And that is an ABC book for two to five year olds that takes them on an adventure through the garden with the little rose and introduces future characters alongside garden vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love it. Well, you know, and, and when you were talking about the little seahorse, what I was thinking of was, you know, like I said, you, you are this, this beautiful person inside and out. Um, but I can imagine where if you're talking to a group of young girls and you're telling them from your heart how difficult it was when you were growing up, they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm not so different after all. And, and you know, it comes back to that whole self-esteem thing. You know, I, I, I love this. I think it's so important. Thank you. Yeah. And when I tell kids that I was bullied, they're like, whoa, right. they can't believe it. But, but mm-hmm. everyone is. Well, if you're not, then you're probably the bully. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's actually something that was um, a big aha for me about The Little Rose is that a parent wrote to me and said that she read the story to her little girl because she wanted to protect her little girl from bullies. Mm-hmm. But when they read the story, her daughter started crying and realized that she was a weed and uh-huh. didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. And Well, she was being a weed with the rest of the weeds. Right. Right. But she wanted to be a rose, but the Mm -hmm. mother was so thankful. She's like, I had no idea that she was engaging in those kinds of behaviors. And, and she didn't really question it until, you know, until she saw it in a safe place for her to Mm -hmm. explore it. Right. And I thought, wow, like I had no idea that it would, it would do that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I'm so grateful that, that it resonates with anyone and that especially with kids. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they are so precious. And I think the right. more you value yourself, the better decisions you'll make about who you are and what, what you can do in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and unfortunately, we see the results of the bad decisions, you know, and, and whether it's that we see, you know, posts on social media where it's like, oh, really? You, you didn't just say that. Or, you know, something much more profound and, and more tragic, um, you know, and, and then we hear about it on the news. And when you really start peeling back those layers, you discover that in so many cases, it does come back to, you know, the, the self-esteem and, and, you know, and, and how the kids were raised. You know, if you're told, you know, and, and or, you know, maybe in your marriage, you know, in your relationships, you know, you've written Cake in Bed and we'll talk a little bit more about that. You know, if you're told you're worthless, 
then pretty soon you think you're worthless, you know, and, and, and if you're hanging out with bad people, then pretty soon you kind of become that bad person. And, and it takes so much courage sometimes to step out of that because it's comfortable. You know, even if we know it's not really what we should be doing and all of those things, it's still the fear factor of the unknown can outweigh that. And, and we just stay in those positions. I mean, you know, look at women who are abused, who stay in those relationships or they, they have relationship after relationship. You know, it, it's, it's not that they want that. You know, I, that just always drives me nuts when somebody says, well, you know, it's just the way she is. No, she doesn't want that, but she doesn't think that she, and, and it can happen in work too. You know, you, you don't deserve the better job. You don't deserve the promotion. Yes, you do. You know, maybe not that one, but something different, you know, and, and so having this shift to think I'm the rose or maybe not the rose, maybe you're just a daisy, but you know, the, the, all of these things are so profound that, you know, they can, we've mentioned it can happen anytime during your life. Yeah. And I think too, people, I find sometimes people are afraid to step into their power because they're afraid that they're going to be entitled and Mm -hmm. jerk. Mm -hmm. And that's not the truth. Like Mm -hmm. there's a big difference between having self-confidence and being entitled. Right. You know, it's okay to believe in yourself and to know, you know what, that friendship doesn't feel right to me. I'm not going to invest my energy in it anymore because Mm -hmm. something better is coming. That's mm-hmm. a huge difference from, I deserve the best and you need to give it mm-hmm. to me, you know? And right. I think people are sometimes afraid that they're going to cross that line, but they're so far from that line. There's no danger of them ever hitting it, you mm-hmm. know? Right. <laughs> Just believing mm-hmm. in yourself is a beautiful thing. And mm-hmm. I mean, you can see it. Like uh, I remember giving a talk in um, Philadelphia at a private school and there w- I was talking to fourth graders and it was a... Um, and personal empowerment talk. So we were doing a little bit of anti-bullying and, you know, mm-hmm. focusing on the self-esteem aspects and things like that. And one of the boys raised his hand, a fourth grade boy told me everything in front of all the school, like everybody about how so- somebody had bullied him and made him feel like he wasn't as good and, you know, mm-hmm. made fun of him for this, this and that. And everybody was mm-hmm. silent. And I just, I just stayed with him. I just stayed very present with him and I listened mm-hmm. and And, and I said, um, and how do you feel about it now? And he looked at me and he goes, well, I feel bad for them because they need to make other people feel bad in order to feel better. And it doesn't work with me. And I was like, oh my goodness, (laughs) you know, like whatever this kid has got at home is working, you know, (laughs) yes, Mm -hmm. because it was so beautiful and he was so brave. And I just, I was like, wow, I wish I had been that brave at that age. My goodness. Right. But well, it's so and, good to have role models like that. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. that school shifted that day because that mm-hmm. boy was courageous and honest mm-hmm. and authentic. And it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it can happen at any age. You know, you can, you know, you mentioned the, the woman that you worked with who was a bully. You know, I think we've all worked with people who for whatever reason, you know, have, have pushed, you know, and, and pushed hard and pushed, you know, pushed incorrectly. And, you know, we can put up with it. We can turn them in. We can do all those various things, but it really does come back in a lot of cases to where I'm thinking, wow, you know, they, how sad for them, Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny. I uh, went to Colorado and, you know, several, uh, several months ago and was, we flew and the gentleman who sat next to me was one of those <clears throat> entitled millennials. <laughs> You know, I love, you know, they, everybody's like, oh, all millennials. I love the sound to effect. <laughs> I know, yeah. <clears throat> you know, you got to you know. And he sat down and promptly took over my space. Oh, no. You know, and, 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 you know, I was okay until he really started encroaching. And the funny thing is we hadn't even pushed back yet. You know, we were still at the, the, the gate. <laughs> started to say, doc, wrong, wrong. <laughs> and, you know, and, and so I, I, you know, I did my little passive aggressive nudge, nudge, nudge thing. And well, actually I said, sir, you know, the, like the first time I, I said, you know, sir, you're on, on my side. And his response was, that's okay. <laughs> and I said, uh, no, it's not. And he just ignored me. And, you know, then I did my passive aggressive, you know, let's, let's kind of nudge him a couple of times. And, and, and it was, he had his feet over under my seat oh, no. and, you know, and, and, and it, you know, normally it wouldn't bother me, but I had a backpack. And so I had one foot that couldn't go in anywhere at all. And, you know, but I did, I did the passive aggressive, you know, and, and so he, you know, and he, he 
you know, finally perks up. And it was an early morning flight, which I'm sure led in, in no small part to this, was we'd probably all gotten up at about four in the morning. But he said, God, lady, what is your problem? And then he kicked me. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I'm I'm not a shy person. Now, you know, I, but, but I wasn't going to confront him. I poked that button for the flight attendant. And, you know, and, and, and she came back and long story short, we settled the situation. Now he did not depart the plane. If I had pushed hard enough, I probably could have gotten him thrown off the plane. But, you know, his, his comment during the discussion with the the flight attendant and my husband and me, he said, I paid for this seat. I can sit however I want. (laughs) And, and that didn't go over well. Um, you know, and, and, but it, you know, after everything calmed down and, you know, now I did kind of spend the whole flight thinking, oh, my God, he's going to do something more. But, um, you know, it, afterwards I thought, how sad for him. I mean, I really was thinking, you know, I'm, it was very annoying. And, and but but I really did think, wow, you know, if that's how he goes through life, that really is just terribly sad for him. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But, you know, what's great is that you stood up for yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I was doing okay till he kicked me. I mean, yeah, I would have pushed that button way before then. Oh. <laughs> well, and you know, it didn't hurt me or anything like that. You know, it wasn't. But but it was like, really, dude, you know, and and and, you know, and I, I, more than anything, I wanted to look at him and say, I'm old enough to be your mother. What if somebody were treating your mother like this? And then, of course, the little voice in me said he probably does treat his mother yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, That's why it's okay know, for him. Yeah. Yeah. But, you, you know, know, and and. We do have to stand up for ourselves or, you know, if you see it happening, hello, stand up for somebody else. Yeah. And I think that's the key is like, if we all become, um, good citizens for ourselves and for others, that kind of behavior Mm -hmm. doesn't fly. It's when we turn a blind eye to it, we try to do, make our best out of it, you know, and it's not that you Mm -hmm. want to be picking fights all the time. Not at all. Right. It's just like, um, I do jujitsu. And Mm -hmm. one of the principles that you learn is that the person who wins a fight is the one who walks away. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that you kowtow to everybody. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you walk away Mm -hmm. with strength and dignity and you allow them to do the same. Mm -hmm. You don't just throw everything over and say, here you go. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. um, and I think especially as women, like we're socialized to, to be embarrassed. Like if somebody Mm -hmm. else does something, we're embarrassed. But Mm -hmm. what we learn in jujitsu is that put that embarrassment where it belongs. Like he should Mm -hmm. be embarrassed about his behavior. There's nothing wrong at all about reporting it and getting a resolution. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh yeah. He, he could not understand when I called the flight attendant. Yeah. He was not happy. Now the funny thing was he wasn't smart enough to move. And (laughs) so, you know, when, when she said, what is the problem? I just pointed and she went, sir. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then he smarted off to her and I was really kind of surprised that he wasn't tossed off the plane. Um, you know, and, and, and what I should have done was very sweetly said, you know, there, there are lots of other empty seats on this plane. Maybe you'd be more comfortable there. Yeah. Or you'd be, or you can, I'd be happy if you wanted to subsidize part of my, my, <laughs> or you no, could have my seat, you know, That's and the other and, thing but, you, you can yeah. ring the, the lady and say, or whoever helped you resolve mm-hmm. it and just say, you know what? Um, it seems that this seat, like he has one and a half seats and I would like a mm-hmm. full seat. Where do you have one available? Mm-hmm. And yeah, just you move. Know, and, and, you know, and the funny thing is, now I wouldn't have done that because I would have thought he won by me doing that. No, you but, would have won because you'd have been happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he would have thought whatever, you know. And 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 yeah, it's it it is funny how we start that as kids. You know, he stole my toy. He, you know, all of those various things. And and again, we're not saying bully back. Right. We're not saying to be abusive or be. You know, it's like no, no, that's my toy give it back. Right. Or, you know, or you say, you know what, we can share, you know, if that guy had said, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I, these seats are so small. You know, hello. Yes, they are. We never have enough room. I would have said, let me see if I can move my stuff around to give us more room. Yeah. But you know, the fact that he, you know, kicked me and was like, really? Yeah. You know, uh-uh. No, not, not putting up with that dude. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good that you set a boundary and then when he crossed it, you honored it for yourself mm-hmm. because that's yeah. a powerful it's a powerful thing for your yourself to witness that you you honor and respect your own feelings. You know, and, and we see that with people and their personal space. You know, the people who get in your personal space and, you know, all of those various things. And it, it does it it ultimately comes back to that self-esteem, to being able to say, you know what, I I value myself and what I need 
and I need more space, you know, and, and, and maybe it's, you know, something as simple as you just take a step back or whatever, or you might actually have to tell the person, you know what, it just, it, can you, can you take a step back? Yeah. Um, yeah. I know, mean, or, or we can be passive aggressive and sneeze on them. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, the passive aggressive thing, no, no, no. I, like I, I, I don't think it works very well. Like I don't, no, I don't well, feel good didn't when I tried to, to nudge him with my foot. Cause he kicked me. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I think teaching kids, like when you say, Hey, when, you know, when you stand so close to me, it makes me feel uncomfortable. I'd really appreciate if you step back a little. Right. And then people are like, oh, it's kind of disarming. It's like, oh, okay. Like, and versus like, I don't know, sometimes I think people, when they try to be aggressive about it, it pulls up the defensiveness and mm-hmm. then they come right. back with, they meet it with aggression. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and, and if you were polite about it and said, you know, would you mind taking a step back? If they don't, then you know, that really makes them look bad. You know, they're, they're kind of stuck. They can either look like, uh, or they can, can value your space. Yeah. Um, And I think teaching kids that they're never powerless, mm -hmm. they always have a choice in some, some way that they can, um, shape the situation. It may not be the best possible choices, but you Mm -hmm. have choices. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think that's really, um, it's really important. And I, I know as an adult going through life and like things happen that you don't expect and you're like, okay, well, I have to choose between this or that. I don't like either of these options, but which one's better? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and sometimes it is, it's not about settling. It is about making the best decision at that time. Yes, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Like right. the, when you get better choices, you'll make a better decision, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So let's talk about your, your book that you wrote for adults and specifically for women, Cake in Bed. So tell us about that book. Oh, Cake in Bed <laughs> is a, um, huh, I'm going to say a delicious adventure where we follow <laughs> a um, 30-something divorcee named Julie mm-hmm. on her misadventures to find what she most wants in life, which is love. Mm-hmm. And it opens up with her eating what would have been her anniversary cake, her wedding cake, you know, the one year ah. anniversary, mm-hmm. only she's eating it in bed alone. Oh, dear. Yes. And she, through the story, without revealing too much, she has to learn that she's worth more than what other people think of her and mm-hmm. that she doesn't have to settle, that it's worth the wait. She is worth right. the wait mm-hmm. for the right man. And maybe she does have to stay alone. Yes, Exactly. Like that's, um, I think one of the most powerful things is that you're not defined by (laughs) whether you have a relationship or not, or at least you Mm -hmm. shouldn't define yourself that way. Right. If you Mm -hmm. do, it's very stressful because you can't control the right timing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but she really grows throughout the novel where she, she just learns a lot about herself and about Mm -hmm. what real love looks like and how it may not be what you think. Mm-hmm. And I just fell in love with that character. I, her and the main, um, it is a happily ever after. So the hero, um, mm-hmm. it was so fun to write him because it was just, it was like, oh, what would you most want to hear? Yes, that's it mm-hmm. right there. You know, right. Yeah. This is going to be a Hallmark movie. I can tell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they may have to omit a few chapters because it has some sexiness in it too. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it'll be Hallmark after ten o'clock. Yeah, there you go, there you go. But um, but the but the parts that are sexy in it, they needed to be there because um, it's just important for her journey. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of women, especially uh, the millennials and and even older women too, like when when you're unexpectedly single, like right. for whatever reason, yeah, if you haven't been on the dating world for long, mm-hmm. you encounter all kinds of weirdness, like, <laughs> especially in LA. You know? Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, I've had people write to me and say, wow, like I can really relate to this character. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel a lot of these same things and I can't talk to anybody about it. And I've had men write to me. It's very surprising. Like how many men mm-hmm. read the book and like it? Mm-hmm. Because they're mm-hmm. like, I've never read a romance before. And I read right. your book. <laughs> I love it. Well, hopefully they learned how to better appreciate the women in their life. Yes. And some of them, um, particularly the older gentlemen, are, are saying, wow, I had no idea it was so hard for women. Mm-hmm. And I can see why women get so fatigued about the dating scene. And, right. you, know, um, you know, it's just very, 
it's just, it stimulates really interesting conversations. And mm-hmm. it, at the time it was the hardest thing I'd ever done because mm-hmm. it was a novel and like, you know, right, very different than a children's book. Oh yes. And you have, and you have a lot more flexibility, right? Because you can use unlimited vocabulary. The word mm-hmm. count is much broader. Um, you can go wherever you want with it, but at the same time, it's harder because you have all those open things. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so um, it was fun, though. It was fun to write. I was really proud of myself for getting it out there. And, um, you know, it became a top 20 uh, romantic romance. It was romantic comedy, romantic comedy bestseller in Amazon on, mm-hmm. in Canada, which okay. was awesome upon release. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just now I'm I'm really focused on my next book, which is going to be a children's book uh-huh. and it's going to come out on uh, March 22nd Cool. And it's called the little unicorn. Mm. And so that is my big focus right now is finishing mm-hmm. up the story so that she can make her debut. <laughs> fun. That's going to be so much fun. I look forward to that. Um, you know, and, and, and again, these all come back to self-esteem, yes. you know, and, and the importance of it. And, you know, and, and the funny thing is we didn't even talk about social media, but it's, you know, it, it, it's, it really is important that if you feel good about yourself, it comes across everywhere, whether it's your Facebook posts or your networking or your dating or all of those various things. And sometimes that's really, really hard. Yeah. Well, and it's okay. It's okay to be in in between state. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is you don't have to be perfect, right? But you have to, you just, you have to try to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And that sounds so crazy. Like try to be yourself, but we're so socialized to not be who we are. You know? right. <laughs> it's like getting in connection with who you are. And like meditation has been really powerful for me in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and being around people who are very grounded, but yet big dreamers, mm-hmm. right? Because I didn't grow up around that. So mm-hmm. now like, I feel very blessed. I mean, the people who are closest in my life are all creative people. They're very successful Mm -hmm. business people. You know, they're not at the top of the mountain, but we're all climbing. Right. And we make progress daily, you Mm -hmm. know, and I love that. Like that inspires Mm -hmm. me. And I think, um, it's, it's like the message of the little rose. Like you need to surround yourself with other roses. Mm -hmm. If you want to be, um, someone who appreciates other people, surround yourself with people who appreciate people. Right. You know, if you want to be a successful author, well, get to know people who are successful at the thing you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Hire a mentor, mm-hmm. get out there, go to their talks, like learn from their workshops. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you help people figure out their marketing and get their message out into the world in a bigger way. Like mm-hmm. what amazing gift to have in the world, like to be able to have a bigger impact. Well, and, and I think it's so important to remember that, you know, we, we don't always, you know, it's, it's not success immediate. You know, we, we have to, to aim for it and try for it. And yeah, there are going to be some setbacks, but if we're going to be true to ourselves, we have to keep going. And, you know, sometimes it's detours, it's, you know, all those various things, but, but it is about being that rose and, or the unicorn. Can't wait to read about the unicorn. <laughs> I have this shirt that says, so I'm, I'm a redhead and I have this shirt that says that, um, redheads are less than 1% of the population. Therefore I'm a majestic unicorn. <laughs> Um, and, and, and actually it's even more so because I'm a blue eyed redhead. Um, and so, so I'm, see, I'm a unicorn. Yes. And so I just can't wait to read the story. Thank you. Yeah. It's exciting. It's uh, when I tell kids about it, they get really, really bananas about it, you know, like Like that unicorn, you know? (laughs) Well, and, and you know what, it doesn't matter if they're six or if they're 60, you know, it's, it's a fun story. Yeah. Well, and she loses her sparkle. Oh no. And then she looks for it in all the wrong places only to discover where it really lives. Mm-hmm. And so and we the, all need that message. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean it's it's like the adult book cake in bed, you know. We're we're not who our partner is. Right. Great. Right. Well, Sherry, uh, uh we're at the top of the hour and this has been so much fun. I really have truly enjoyed this and and I can't wait to talk to you again because, you know, it's it you are so creative and so inspirational, you know, and, and all these books sound fabulous. And so how do people find your books? Oh, well, my books are available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and also in Kendall Nook and iTunes editions. They two titles are available in audiobook format on audible and Amazon and Barnes and Noble, all those places again. 
And um, they can also order personalized autograph copies on my website, which Very is cool. S-H-E-R-I-F-I-N-K.com. And then if you want to connect with me, which I would absolutely love, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sherry Fink fan. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. Well, I've been having such a good time talking with you, Sherry. This really has been a delight. Thank you. Yeah, it was a blast. (laughs) Well, to everyone out there, have a great week and we will talk with you next time. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.